is this going to be a good yak or a bad yak? <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes when we don't sleep, it's actually better. So. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, beloved listeners. This is Anissa, and you're listening to Dramas Over Flowers. This month, we'd like to thank two new Patreon patrons. Yay! Jen Mole and Divina. Thank you so much, and I hope I pronounced your names right. And of course, our thanks to the continued support of all our patrons, and to K-Drama Daydreamer for her hard work transcribing the yaks. You can find us on Twitter at Dramas Overflow. Email us at dramasoverflowers at gmail.com and find us wherever fine podcasts are curated. If you'd like to contribute to our Patreon and get special member benefits, go to patreon.com slash dramasoverflowers. And that's all for me. Enjoy the episode. Hi everyone, this is Saya. This is Anissa. And this is Parma. Welcome to our uh, March Yak, where we talk about dramas of February. <laughs> <laughs> a belated February yak. It's because February's too short. It's been a short and brutal month. Please forgive <laughs> us. <laughs> yeah. But hey, you know, um, this is like a totally intentional cliche um, b- by the broadcast uh, channels, companies, uh, in that we got two really nice romantic dramas in February, the month of Western holiday cards i guess oh yeah i don't even acknowledge that valentine's takes this so i totally forgot yeah speaking of which <laughs> let's start with the first one romance is a bonus book should i go first <laughs> go. okay yeah. so i'm 10 episodes in and I, I i was just telling saya that i made bad life decisions because i was gonna go to bed last night but I was on episode six and I was like let me just watch a few minutes and that turned into like watching until 4 30 in the morning <laughs> yeah so now I've watched 10 episodes um I wanted to just uh mention that I hadn't realized remember when we were talking about it in upcoming and I was like oh this sounds like an American tv show called Younger and it's actually a remake of Younger so I wasn't just being like oh this is a coincidence it's actually a remake but the difference in this one is that she does it in the original one she actually hides her age and she pretends to be younger but because in the korean society it's like really hard to hide your age instead yes. she hides her education and her like you know career achievements and she pretends to be a high school graduate so i haven't watched the american it would be interesting to compare the two but but yeah that's cool um, I I don't know if I'm super keen on watching the American simply because a few dramas, you know, American dramas or movies where they have used concepts like this, like never being kissed, for instance, it's not exactly being portrayed in a very kind and sensitive way, the way this, way, yeah, yeah, sympathetic way, the way romance um, is a bonus book is doing um, right now. Because Dani's struggle is less about um, how old she is and that, that has more to do with her romance. It's that... She was in a very senior level position and now she has gone back to the most junior position in the firm and she's, she, she's humble enough and, and sort of um, motivated enough to learn from the very beginning and, and acknowledge that she has something to learn, that it's been, what, seven to ten years since her last job uh, in her high-paying advertising um, yeah. uh, job. And, and initially she thought, well, you know what, this is demeaning, but I'll do it because I can't find a job. And then it was her arc to learn that I have things to learn. 
that some of my knowledge is outdated. The world has gone ahead. I mean, there is a reason why I wasn't getting the job by just talking about my previous achievements. But that's so, not to say that the ageism isn't... That there wasn't the discrimination. There, there definitely yeah. was, yeah. From what I understand about the American TV show um, is that it does kind of, you know, address really interesting topics in that way and that it's a really interesting, like, fun sort of um, publishing... I think in the in younger it's like a women's magazine, um, but I've heard that it's like I think the first few episodes do focus on the age thing and it's like not as good. But once it gets into like the characters and the relationships, I've heard it's really good. So one of us will have to make the sacrifice and actually watch it so that we can do a proper comparison. I actually looked it up last month and like I, I read a few reviews and stuff and I just thought it didn't look like like I enjoy this because it's a K-drama because it has all of the sort of the elements that make mm. us like into these Love K-dramas. That yeah that wouldn't necessarily um have existed in the original at least not in the same way yeah I mean they changed quite a bit like she's not in the original one she lives with her best friend who's a woman and in this one and she's like falls in love with somebody at the company but in this one they're like childhood friends and they're living together so it's definitely a different dynamic and they're meant to appeal to a different type of audience you know this is meant to appeal to a Korean audience so the kind of character that would appeal would be different to the kind of character I mean there would be differences as I'm trying not to be overly general while also trying to generalize but you know what I mean right yeah. Like the I kind would love of to hear yeah, I would love to hear if any of our listeners have watched Younger and what they think about like the difference between the two dramas. Maybe we um, should like test watch a couple of episodes just to see that. Yeah. So yeah, I, I agree. I really I think the star of this show is Kang Dani. Like she's so uh like her like everyone is really good and I really like the character actors and like the relationships and I think the, the the writing is really the star of the show but I really just love her like you were saying Parama about like her journey and like it's kind of hard to watch at times but it's so nice to just see her kind of blooming and coming into her own and like getting that inspiration to you know start over from the beginning and have a new start and move on from her past and then like this sort of um, bombshell of Chan Ho that she's just been hit with. She's just like, oh my god. But I just have to say one thing. I This is really shallow and I normally don't care, but oh my god, her haircut is the worst. <laughs> like, Inayang is so beautiful and I'm just, and like, she always has this terrible haircut and I was like, finally, she's coming back. She'll have it. It's been years. She'll have a different haircut. No, it's like these horrible bangs. Maybe they're saving Half it. Half of her head. Oh my god. How can you even? I don't. I don't think they are. I don't think they are saving, saving a makeover but, but moment. But this is how you can like give that. yourself hope. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. I, I know, but because she already had the quote unquote makeover moment. Remember when yeah. you know took her to get like a whole pretty woman, you know, dress up thing done. But and she she went back to wearing exactly the clothes that she was wearing before. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> I also like, like I don't have a huge problem with her clothes. I just want her to get a better haircut. <laughs> So yeah, I really like her wedding hair was the actual worst and that was like your first like it's literally my first glimpse of this actress and you're like I, I don't mm. understand oh, <laughs> you, you guys clearly have very high expectation of hairdos because I thought her wedding hair was really nice she's got a long neck and I could yeah but that's not her hair that's she her long neck. Neck. 
<laughs> but that's part of what the hairdo is supposed to do, right? Enhance your features and stuff. I don't know. It made her look younger than when she, you know, like oh, no, in, really in the like that current. That was like... I mean, that was one Premier day, but like every single, yeah, I mean, the wedding, okay, whatever. It was a disaster wedding, <laughs> so it's fine if her hair was a I'm disaster. just laughing how long we're talking about her hair. Okay, since, since we are being shallow, what are you guys noticing? I just keep noticing how adorable her smile is. How are you even noticing her eyebrows? Yeah, because, <laughs> but like eyebrows are so important for expression and it really bothers me that we can't see half her face because she's such a good actress. Fair enough. That's that's a preference. Like for for instance, we're gonna come to this uh, a minute later when we talk about Edong Wook, and I, I I'm gonna complain about his bangs there. But uh, <laughs> coming back to uh, this one, since we are being shallow, can we? Uh, oh, he's still being shallow. Okay. <laughs> when you finish, when you finish being shallow, tell me, because then I have something to add. Okay. Go for it. So we, <laughs> you know, can we just acknowledge that? Um, Ijeongwook has, I don't know, suddenly just settled into a grown-up face. I think Pinocchio was the last one where he looked like he was, I don't know, like the, there was something, everything was proportional about his face. Yeah, and then he was growing up. I'm pretty sure he was going through growth spurts. Because well, suddenly I was like, wait, isn't he like 28? Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I know, but him. his growth spurt came late, okay? And yeah, maybe he's improved his face by artificial means, I'm not sure. But it does look a little bit better. Maybe he's just healthier. Maybe he's been eating I don't know. Better. He looks the same to me. Uh, I saw someone doing a like a photo comparison of him a few years ago and him now, and like his nose did look different. So oh I no, I I am so. not even getting into that. I do not want to know about any of these speculations. Yeah, no. I hate it when I read about but this just, stuff online anyway. And I thought, oh, like I had, you don't notice these things gradually, but when you get sort of a contrast with years between, yeah. But I then, like, oh, if you look at my nose maybe. now and ten years before, I promise you you're gonna think I got a really botched up nose job done <laughs> okay well I maybe I'm just not observant but I don't see a difference but I'm happy for you P like if you if you feel like he's you know, I'm just saying he's more beautiful than ever okay moving okay. on I'm done with the shallow part now all right so okay. I was saying Saya. <laughs> okay before the non-shallow part I just want to add one thing to the shallow part which is that Ijung Suk is an actor that I feel that in pictures and photos he doesn't like he's not as um appealing 2d as he is 3d like when he's acting and in motion and he's talking yeah then, true like, you can really see why people find yeah. him so compelling i don't but, actually think he's very pretty but he's such a good actor that it doesn't matter right exactly as in his acting is just so charismatic that it's it, it right. gives life to his face which doesn't always translate from photos like i don't find him as appealing from photos as I do as like when he's a living breathing character mm. so I'm done with yeah. being shallow okay. moving on. All right. <laughs> so what was your like real thing that you wanted to say well, the thing I was gonna say it was about uh uh Ina Young and how like uh Tani's comeback to work kind of mirrors Ina Young's return to the screen as well because she's been away from the screen for a long time um, and I, yeah. I felt like that was um it was a nice mirroring and maybe it adds a bit more dimension to her character as well. And the other thing is, um, I mean, this uh, writer, and I forgot to look up the name, which I should remember, but I don't. Um, but this is the uh, writer of the I Need Romance franchise and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and which franchise? Uh, I Need Romance. One, two, and three. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we know that. We and discussed Discovery, a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah, and Discovery. Is it Discovery Romance as well? Yeah. So... The, this writer just has is always you know 
she writes these very textured female characters and often they're like you know quite um jaded or they're bitter or they're hurt or that but like with Tanya I think her the most relatable aspect of it is how she's like a disappointed heroine and I really like that's something that I find very personally um relatable is like disappointed women like she's lived a certain way and she's like her world has changed and she has to find a way to fit back into that mm-hmm. world again um and it reminds me a lot of um Cheju in 20 again um yes with that same kind of inner dignity um and that sort of uh the spirit that won't be crushed despite her circumstances i really like that and i love the balance between her being like really smart and having really good ideas and also having a lot to learn at the same time so it's not like one or the other like she's not a genius and she's not like completely dumb and doesn't know anything she yeah like when she's balance- a- when she starts um at Kyoru and you know she's a rookie you know the way you have like it it's like a a trope of the rookie rookies luck and the way they succeed her success at work is not quite rookies luck um which we we do love and we'd always support but it's because she's actually she knows how to do this job Mm-hmm. she's she's good at all of this stuff she just has not had it like she's not got her break and she finally gets this break and she's making uh, like she's taking advantage of every possible opportunity to get herself sort of um to make herself more and more indispensable and to learn more and more of like the new world of the of the job that she's in can i also say how much i love her relationship with her with the marketing team jung i can't remember her name yeah, the three of them yeah. there. And the then, like, yeah, yeah. Mrs. Go, yeah. Ms. Go, like the, the really big... I think director, director Go. Director Go, yeah. At the end of episode yeah. eight, they had this, like, amazing... That was scene. such a the, great just, outing. The whole that thing was so good. Was so hilarious and also <laughs> hard something, something that I found very interesting about the way they pitched director Go is that she is the typical, you know, female rival of the main protagonist type thing, like the bitchy... Um, so, right, I and don't she's know. presented that way in the beginning, so you kind of hate her. Yeah, and who's then- trying to bring the protagonist down. But then um, this uh, Dani realizes that, for instance, there was that well, the first instance of it was where Dani thought that um, go, uh, director Go had stolen her idea and pitched we it as her own. That. We all thought that it was pitched like that. The entire yeah. the discovery, the drama, everybody around her thought that thought the same. Yunho thought that, and so did uh, uh, song uh, secretary song editor song. Song manager. Just let's call a song Harry. Yeah. So song Harry. Yes. Everybody thought that, and then um, you had Dani discovering that no, um, director Go had the same idea. She just was. Uh, absurdly, um, I don't know what you. It it it, it is a personality proud. flaw in her. No, it was a personality flaw in director Go that she couldn't have taken a moment out and said that. Look, this is the idea that I had, because that's what Danny said. That if you had the idea, why didn't you just tell me when I handed you the paper? So I wouldn't have felt this crushed. And she could have said it, but she just chose not to because she thought Danny had no place giving her the idea in the first place. That is a personality flaw in director Go. I mean, she's still doing things that she's not being outright mean to Dani, but she's not accepting of Dani yet either. Like she notices Dani contributing and she smiles. So you see that she's adjusting to the idea that Dani is actually capable and smart. 
but okay something happens in episode 11 and you guys haven't watched it so i can't spoil it and i'm just really waiting to see how how that that is resolved in this episode like i'm going to watch it tonight um like right after we finish the podcast i'm going to go <laughs> and i'm like holding my breath because the preview was crushing and i'm just like don't do it direct to go but okay, um, okay no more no more spoilers <laughs> let's see yeah. <laughs> oh on a side note like um, yeah in general all of the office stuff is really i really find it very moving and interesting and funny like the two other oh yeah uh the two co-workers that joined the company at the same time as Danny are hilarious. And then there's like um the two team the two team directors who are like divorced and like secretly married and recently divorced and nobody knows that they were the ones who married that they were married to each other. Oh no, no everyone knows but the newbies, the newbies didn't know. Everyone else everyone knew else knows, married. yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. It wasn't a secret. But like And that's and nobody's telling the newbies because why would you? Um, oh no, fair enough. Okay. And so okay. it's like they've constructed this whole like story. It for was heartbreaking, wasn't it? I didn't oh, even God. realize that I, I had gotten attached to them. But then suddenly when that divorce uh, line came and you had uh, the episode giving these two and their grief some time, like separately. And I was like, I was really feeling heartbroken oh, for God. them. And That's I had not realized that. Where she's been like so, she's like, I'm so happy. I'm so, and then like they get on the bus and like both of them just start like sobbing. And I was like, oh my God. Man, I also think oh, are some of my favorite character actors. Like both of them, they're always so good. And I was worried so they would this. try to get them back together again, and I'm so glad that it's it just isn't going that way. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, people break up, yeah. but they're still in each other. And I like the and I and I like how th- that they're both in each other's corner still because it's not it's like the, how the um. um Oh, what was her? What's her name? I keep forgetting. <laughs> Marketing team Jung. Okay, I'm just gonna call her team Jung. Um, <laughs> Sorry, she, I can't she, when she was defending her ex-husband to the uh, the I think chair chairman um, of of the of uh, Geru Geru right? Geru Um, the publishing house. Uh, the chairman of the publishing house. The she said that he was not a bad man. He's a really good man. It's just that the way he decided to le- live his life meant that he never seemed to understand her frustrations. Like he cared about everybody around and their problems and always tried to help them, but she couldn't get through to him, and he couldn't understand why certain things were frustrating for her. And that was that was not what you expect from your life partner. So that I, I love how. Line. Yeah, that was that. That was just I. I loved how that entire thing unfolded, and I liked the um, the part after that. That that happened like halfway through, and now we are seeing the post-divorce period where they are still, like they are they are sweet to each other in in small ways, and you see that they care about each other, and it's just man, I wish I more dramas I had stuff like this. Be, it was sweet. I would say they're kind to each other. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I mean, sweetness is kind of a different quality. But also, True. the other thing is that the actual, um, the actual words she said is, "I didn't um, divorce him because uh, he's a bad person. Um, I divorced him because it was too hard. Mm-hmm. Like it was yeah. a personal thing for her. She had to do it for herself. Yeah, so yeah. it was too yeah. tiring to be his exactly. Wife. Yeah. 
Yeah. And also, like, when she explains it, like, when the, you know, when the three women are together and she, like, um, recounts this, um, oh the shopping scene, and it was just, oh. like, I felt that. I yeah. felt it so deeply. And I was like, Same because here. I mean, it's, it's actually, it's something that's really, I think, I feel like I've experienced it many times myself. And, like, I just understood that. Like, I get you. Like, stop making excuses for the other person when the person whose side you should be on is is me, who is next to you, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it was such a, like... This writer just does such a good job. Yeah, yeah. so she true to life. Good job with these, like, small but very important character moments. Mm-hmm. And that's what really mm-hmm. breathes life into the whole cast. Mm-hmm. Just one last thing. Everything else really works for me, but this whole storyline with the writer who is like I think he has Alzheimer's I'm guessing at this point and he's like oh no his teacher and yeah like the but didn't he at one point say it was his father I'm confused no I think he said his father you know you know sort of like I think he's my father type of a situation I don't think we know it's not his actual father it's the second lead's father it's been made very obvious in at least 90 different ways by now wait what and yeah it's the second lead's father no this is a spoiler (laughs) I think you've just this is not at this are you guys serious you haven't figured it out how can it be I mean I think we have clues that it might be his father but I don't think they've told us no no it's not being revealed it's not being revealed it's my speculation completely okay I'm just, I'm just gathering clues, and this is. I just, just this is, yeah, that whole storyline with like the locked room and this creepy stalker tendencies, and then this like mysterious author. I don't know. It's just like it doesn't jive with the rest. It feels unnecessary to because the rest of the story has enough material to keep us. Like this is this is one of those stories where every episode and every living moment is is enjoyable for us to watch we don't need a, a larger mystery to back it all up Agreed. but i mean the, the just the story of you know's crush on danny extending back to who knows how long and oh my god that i mean you know what i really like initially in the first couple of episodes you know seemed very like not aloof but he didn't seem to actually care that deeply about danny but then the the more they spent time together and the more he opened up, this was after he found out that she had divorced. It seemed to me that for so many years when she had been married to that jerkwad, um, okay, the her ex-husband, um, it, it's he had sort of tried to distance himself from her to the point where they barely had communication with each other aside from like, conversations on the phone and stuff. So that he she could keep her divorce a secret from him for almost a year that's that's insane no he didn't insert himself into the relationship between her and her husband he's not just inserting he he's actively maintained that distance exactly that that's that's exactly what i mean like he says to her later when he does confess to her or when she discovers his feelings, he's like, I've actually, yeah. I'm fine. Because this happens. People do this. People, like, they can love someone and never, like, take it further than that. They can be in love with one person and have relationships with other people. They can be in love with one person and just know that that's a relationship that's never going to happen. And it's like, yeah. it's that one love that they have. It's there and it's always there. And they're still living their life. He's still living his life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I love that one line he said where he's like, it's not like I can't live without you. I'm not going to risk my life just because I'm in love with you. And I love that. Thank you. I feel like he's lying though. 
I mean, uh, it's a great line, but I think there's a, an amount of lying in it. As in, because look, right I mean, he's lying, already been through this. But he's also already been like, through this of yeah, losing her. And also, like, right, nobody when, dies of a broken heart. Right. So <laughs> but ultimately, like, he's... That line. But, like, he's, like, reached this moment where he's going to give himself a shot. And, but if she's not going to take, if she's not going to, like, accept it, then he's like, okay, well, I'll just move on then. Yeah, no, fair enough. But, but I think he has that the, reached the, the, a point where he'll give it a shot. Absolutely. Right. But that is only because Dani is giving such clear clues that she does care about him. She just hasn't realized because she's an idiot. And because she's so stuck in her head she's that I'm the Luna. It's a really bad relationship. That, and fresh out, it's been a year. Yeah, but she's had a really tough year. Maybe, like, you know. I realize that. Maybe a year is not enough for you to get over heartbreak. That's understandable. But the way her previous relationship had been shown to us, the last few years hadn't been pleasant. And she is still recovering both emotionally, yes, but, but more importantly, financially. But she's also just not a very observant person about other people's feelings. <laughs> but and, but also her personality. Relationships also are not necessarily at that point. They're not about feelings. They're about habit. True. So true, she's true. like in the, she's in a mental hab, like a routine in a mental rut of being a certain way, and to sort of upend everything and see it all differently. That yeah, she is not picking up all of the clues he's dropping. That's because of the way that she views that relationship. Um, the nature of their relationship is that it is easy for them to talk about their feelings. Like, uh, Uno can easily say to her, you know, and it doesn't mean anything, even though it means everything. Yeah. They can say that to each other because of the safety of the friend zone, even while he doesn't mean it that way. And there's this great, like, um, the way they show the sort of their two different perspectives is that there are things in their history, which to him have a special meaning, like the winter coat that she bought him with her first paycheck. And he's like, but why? But why? Because to him, it has a special meaning. To her, it's like, well, it was cold. So <laughs> I really like the way they've shown that those things that had a special meaning to him, to yeah. her, they didn't have that same weight. They were just like, it's what I did for my dancing. It was cold. That's why I got you a coat. And he's like, <laughs> she got me a coat with her first paycheck. You know, it's like, it's cast completely differently, depending on how you and look that, at it. And that completely adorable moment when, you know, like they're talking about, you know, Dani says like, I just need one person in my life who understands me completely. And, uh, you know, it's like, that's me, right? And Dani's like, of course. And then he goes out and he does that. And this super cute dance. And he's like, no, yeah, no. I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> and I, ah, that's the moment when you realize his crush is like this epic level. It is, ah. Like, but, it's um, so epic that it might never be real. And he's okay with that. Yeah, I think he's loved her by now. He's loved her for so long yeah. and had his heart broken and yeah, gotten adjusted to the idea that Dani might never look at him in any other capacity than a brother and a friend. It just, he's gotten used to that. And yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think he now, right now, he's in that moment where he's suspecting that Dani might actually reciprocate. So he's going for it. But well, I don't Not think, even that, but that he might actually like be able to make her see him differently. Yeah, and, and now he's bringing his full charm onto her. Like, he's never done this before. He's clearly, you can see with his interaction uh, with uh, Song Heri, like, where, where they have, like, a Sambe Hubei uh, relationship, that when he acts like the more mature adult, and he, he, he does the whole, like, he has a certain charm. You can see why Song Heri is so head over heels, with which, by the way, I love Song Heri. 
so much. Say, you speak of her. Erin is the best. <laughs> she's great. She is. <laughs> I love that actress, and then she's like so good in this role. Oh, Can we talk about man. the writing for a second? Because like yeah. that rejection was amazing. <laughs> Oh, so well done, man. So well done. I all agree. the writing is so good. And I love that all of these confessions and rejections are often just literary. There are book metaphors or lines from poetry, like that moment when um, Yunho says that the moonlight is beautiful and, and she doesn't get it. Nani doesn't get it. And she's the one who told him it. Yeah, exactly. And, they, and, and later when she's suspecting that he might have feelings for her and she looks at him and he's like, that's why I said the moon is beautiful or that, you know, the something else is beautiful. And she looks at him and is like, wait, is he confessing to me? <laughs> is that like what I is happening? It's a little dense when it comes to emotion. Oh. <laughs> Man, I just, oh, I know, but the literary allusions through this drama is just, it's, it's, it's beautifully done. You remember the book metaphor that Dani, that, that Dani makes to the second lead, whose name I've again forgotten? Um, where she I just says, call him like, singer. <laughs> what? Singer, which is his character name in Pretty Nuna. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. I yeah, forgot he was in Pretty Nuna. Yeah. I, I wiped that from my memory. Yeah, actually, it's like large portions of it is completely gone from my head. It, he but, was like okay. one of the only good things left in it anyway. Um, so metaphor that she uses that I there is this book that I have read so many times before. and But now when I open it, it's different. And she's talking about Yunho. And uh, the second lead who's, yeah, that guy, he says that maybe it's not the book that's changed, but, you know, the heart of the reader. And I just, just do it, man. Every time they do this, I'm like, the writing is so good in this drama. So, and also, yeah. like, um, how Uno is, he's so clearly the creation of a female mind. I mean, he is. He's yeah. utterly fantastical fantasy perfect hero who's perfect but not too perfect i think he's i think the drama is like three percent a little bit too precious and pretentious at times like it's a writer's drama but i think because of the kind of people we are we just enjoy that at the same time as knowing that that doesn't stop you from buying his character like in in the flesh the living breathing chano is still like you're like I buy, I buy this, even though he's fictional, clearly fictional, could not exist in real life. You're still like, I, I'm buying what you're selling. Yeah, and that yeah. cast really carries it. So it fills up that like 3%. That's just a little bit too much, you know? That's only you, Anisa. Okay, <laughs> that's just me. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally... Like, I'm the one with the cynical cold heart in this trio. <laughs> I already know that. <laughs> So a final point before we move on to the next drama, which is Touch Your Heart. And uh, this drama actually, I mean, this point is related to something I have to say about Yi um, Dong-wook's character in um, Touch Your Heart, Breach of Sincerity, is that Yoon Ho is never expected to swoop in and save Kangani. Like in her workplace, whenever she has issues, um, he surprisingly isn't the one who, who comes in and kind of goes against the evil director go and goes like, no, you cannot do this to Kang. And he just doesn't, he just doesn't do, do those heroic moments. His, his part in the story is to be supportive and to encourage Kang Dani and for her to stand up, you know, for herself. And I, I, I've never seen it done like this and I, and I love it so much. I was really surprised when he didn't stand up for her. Like in the first meeting, when he thought that, you know, the, that particular line that Kangari thought was stolen, 
um he thought that too but he didn't do the uh, traditional standing up that heroes usually do in these scenes and he Which didn't do it and then great. yeah it was amazing it was am- and also how he respects the hierarchy of the publishing house there was another moment when he um like kangdani was pulled off something that she had worked hard on and director go had her reasons and she laid them out and songheri and uh, cha you know both agreed that okay these are logical reasons even though they didn't like it and they agreed to with it even though you know obviously that means our protagonist kangdani has to suffer but instead of like going up against uh, director goes dictat uh, he just tells her that you can't always be this strict with your reasoning he he just tries to be more empathetic so yeah i i loved how his character is yeah. built that way that also which brings us to sorry i'm just going to yeah. add one more thing there it also ties to the way that he um ogiel 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 when she Jill. makes that mistake that horrible horrible mistake in the book yeah. and i never realized how bad of a mistake it is until oh. the until the drama <laughs> emphasized on it it's <laughs> it's it's like the actual worst <laughs> but like he's he's a tough taskmaster at work but he's not unfair like he tells yeah. you to find a sense of pride and diligence in her work uh, or rethink why she's there at all and all of that yeah. without telling her you know that she's bad uh, or yeah. to leave because everyone else is like why don't you just leave just hand in your resignation but he's teaching yeah. her like he takes the time to teach her while also yeah. pointing out how wrong she is because he asked her oh do you find this unfair and she was like yeah a bit and that's the answer that he wanted to hear so he could point out to her that she that's a wrong way that she's thinking in that case because she'd had she'd made the mistake and she should have yeah. owned it and she should be ashamed of it which i thought yeah. was a really interesting way to impart that lesson it was really well done yes and yeah totally perfect um <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was a great scene so you were saying like um to connect this to our next oh okay so topic. we to connect this with our next uh, drama which i think i think all of us pretty much loves equally though i'm i'm a little partial to romance um with uh, e dongwook's character and how he swoops in to save um uh, yuena's character and i'm 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 sorry but i keep forgetting their character names <laughs> <laughs> so this is um touch your heart also known as reach of sincerity right yeah uh, and her yeah. name is Oh Yeonso and his name is Kwon uh, uh Kwon Jang-rook. Yeah. So I'm I'm just going to stick with Lee Dong-wook. Um <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So getting back to my point about um Lee Jong-sook's ca- like how Lee Jong-sook's character is done in um romance versus how um Lee Dong-wook's character is done in Reach of Sincerity slash Touch Your Heart. And see edong book's character is like i love his character all of that stuff aside i just wanted to compare how like in both dramas you have the heroines coming to a new workplace and in case of you anna she's been an out of work actress for 2 years she's had like bad scandals and stuff and she's come to into a workplace where she, the work is completely new to her so she's learning everything from ground up and so and she's she's not even done stuff like driving herself before so when she does these small things for herself these are just you know, these are building blocks of her of her 
character arc i'm i'm assuming like where she get, learns to do things for herself and i really enjoy watching that but you have these moments in this drama where um idong wook literally comes in to save her from like a man who's harassing her or from this uh, a guy who deliberately sort of like blocks her car and then tries to like bang on her window tries to get her out because he he wants to sue her for uh, car damages and it was his fault completely my point is he keeps on swooping in to save her mm. and you don't i'm i'm just that is very traditional drama hero because i mean it it's it's impossible to not compare the two dramas because they're airing pretty much simultaneously and have like that certain something that's similar about their um, basic premise but yeah so i found that i found that interesting i actually find him a really different hero to um ano yeah but, he is that 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 was my point <laughs> but like in the sense that i don't see a lot of similarity between them at all No there isn't aside from one thing uh, that he does have where he is willing to uh, teach his secretary like with uh, she has a willingness to learn so he's willing to teach her so i i i do like that and i think oh, that's I somewhat that. similar to you know i see yeah. that a little bit differently because in in the it's not that he's willing to teach her so much it's that he's willing to admit that he was wrong about his preconceptions about that i see that as him not letting his prejudices get in the way of recognizing that she, you know she's not what he thought he was she's not what yeah that's right <laughs> yeah but i that's true but on the other hand like if i was in his position and this actress who never learned anything about the job that she's suddenly doing and that she only got because connections suddenly showed up in my office and was like his treatment of her is justified in some ways and like he's not actually cruel he's just a little abrupt yeah he's actually a really kind person he's just like a robot you know <laughs> not very good at expressing his emotions i yeah. really love their dad are you guys are you guys up to date with the current episodes yes. no i'm two episodes behind okay, but i'm on episode 2 oh no go ahead and talk about them because there's not like i don't feel like there's spoiler stuff here okay so that is not like huge spoiler it's simply that they they start dating um at this point they are at the very initial stages of of dating and which is yay. of course what we were waiting for yay but it's 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 sweet to watch irongbok's character sort of open up um and they communicate really well like whenever yes. there is an issue between the two of them they actually sit down and talk about it or oh, have meetings about it <laughs> yeah or have or have meetings about it so the something that i find really interesting is how yuena's character has been built to be a very stereotypical female but she's also competent and intelligent and she's resourceful she just doesn't realize any of those things about herself like as if she spent years of her life while she was a star being told that she's dumb and that she's not actually you know clever or competent and she really really believes that about herself and the things that the resource that she, that she thinks that she has are, are her beauty and her celebrity that that seems to be what she thinks of herself and irongbok from the very beginning doesn't see those things like he he sees that she's pretty of course but but the, he doesn't give her the you know the recognition of being a celebrity that she usually expects from everyone well, he and he literally doesn't know who she is until he he, he literally doesn't know i th- i think one of my favorite <laughs> moments was when she was trying to reenact all her ads trying to see so sort of like get a recognition like, out of it what are you doing <laughs> but you are not so amazing in this role i don't think i can tolerate i could have tolerated any other actress playing this 
sort of dumb blonde version of Korean drama he heroines. I mean, so she just perfectly cast in this character. You know, and she does that like kind of. It's not really Aegyo exactly, but she has this like really cute personality that usually kind of drives me nuts and is really irritating. But when she does it, I'm like, oh, you're so cute. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like so sweet as well. Like, you know, vicious. So um, she doesn't have like a different agenda. She everything you see is like, you know, what you is what you get is what she is. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. She's just so unabashedly herself. I love her. <laughs> I, do you know what's so great about her is how she swoons also over every little thing. She's just like, oh, that's oh, like that. I just love her so much. I know. <laughs> She's just sitting um, in bed, punching her sheets. It's, just, it's her so head. pure. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's exactly the it's word, so actually. pure, yeah. Like, very pure-hearted. But isn't I mean, despite everybody telling us that this is like the reincarnated version of the goblin couple, I see no No, no, of goblin goblin Sunny in her or the Grim Reaper in in this version of very uh, different. Sunny is probably my favorite character of her. Oh, Sunny was totally different. She did. Mm. She she was not similar at all. She was she was really like she was not cynical, but she was very. Yeah, but I think the only similarity in some ways is the way that, like, the dynamic is that she, like, totally opens her heart to him. And he's kind of like, oh, what do I do? Like, I don't know how to feel emotions. Like, that dynamic is still kind of there. But other than that, their characters are very different. I really like how she takes the lead in in the relationship as well. And like, he's the clueless one and she's the one sort of taking all of the steps forward. So that was kind of how it was in Goblin too, right? Because he he was just like, he was like, what, what, what is happening? Like, what what, what is this thing in which you are trying to induct me? (laughs) Relationships, humaning. Yeah, I think what I really like the most about this show is that like you're right Parma like there are a lot of like hero moments where he saves her and there's a lot of like it's and sometimes you feel like they're ticking off cliches from a checklist yeah yeah but on the other hand like there are some really good character details that do make it feel fresh so like you do have there's a reason that her personality is the way she is. It's because she debuted in high school and she's always had like manager opas and like people around her and she's lived a really like isolated and sheltered life. So, yeah. you know, like they built the character really well and she plays it really well. And there's all these little moments where she's like experiencing normal life things for the first time. And then you have her coworkers who are like watching this duckling find her legs. It's just so cute. Like, it's just so nice. Yeah. And then there's like... Jungrok, who is first glance, he just looks like a cold lawyer type that we've seen in a million dramas. But then you just see that he's like extremely like cute and like he has a really soft heart. He just doesn't express it. And it's just really nice. I don't know. Yeah. I love the, that little beat that they do. You know, when in the beginning, when she first meets um, him and he like he just rattles off his um, what he's going to say. And then he goes Grum, and goes and then <laughs> and she's like she's baffled by this Grum. Like, like, what is it? Like, it's the most terse goodbye. Like, okay, then bye. Like, it's not even a bye. It's a well, then I'm done here. Um, <laughs> and 
And then later, when she's having her little revenge on him, she's like, Grom, at the end. And, he's and then like, she, like, turns on her heel and leaves. <laughs> yeah, and he's left just utterly, like, baffled by what just happened. Why did she Grom me? <laughs> and she keeps doing it, and it's great. <laughs> oh, yeah, her petty revenge is, like, the best. Yeah. <laughs> the plot is a little bit slow, but, like, I don't care. Because yeah. You're not watching it for plot. You're watching it for, yeah. like, all of the... The chemistry, yeah. I also love yeah. Lawyer Dad and Lawyer Choi. They're so cute. I appreciate that, though. That I appreciate, though, that initially, they, when they had uh, introduced Yuna's character, they... I mean, she did, she couldn't figure out that there are 30 pills in the bottle and you're not supposed to have them together. That That's how <laughs> dumb they started her with. Um, the, which was like, I think just, just ridiculous level of dumb. I mean, I, that is like unimaginable level of dumb, but, um, she's just <laughs> zero practical skills at life because everything is always done for her. But I, I suppose, I suppose that is what they were going for, but this was maybe not the best example. I'm just, I'm just saying because pills is something that e- even like uh, really sheltered stars would have at least some, That's some true, experience with. I'm just saying okay but uh, what i liked was that when she has her petty revenge it would have been very easy to turn her into this unprofessional woman instead when she's even when she's being petty she's not being incompetent and i think one of the one of my favorite moments was when um she's really pissed off at iron work and he's like i need these files at four and she's like i won't get them done by four i'll get them done by five past four (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was great but then that's preceded by how her revenge actually is. I'm going to be the most perfect, perfect secretary ever <laughs> until you can't live without me. And you're just like, this is, I mean, this is great. You both get what you want. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're at the halfway point, so things are probably going to get more serious now. But it, it was there is that stalker element yeah. that they are introducing. Yeah. I'm not, I don't I know if I want this. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't hate it because it was kind of set up from the beginning in some ways and there has to be some conflict there's like zero conflict in the drama (laughs) and also like you have to make use of that hotshot lawyer boyfriend come on man he's got to do like yeah exactly his moments are really nice and and it's not just about him it's about her kind of regaining her reputation on her own terms and make, and so even if she doesn't end up going back to acting which like she's a terrible actress so maybe she might just be like an amazing legal secretary but like it would be nice for her to end that chapter of her life on a good note and just move yeah. on for her own self-actualization so I wouldn't because it was that. pretty clear that like what had happened with her was that she'd be roofied and then kind of like uh framed Right? Yeah. So it was. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. so I, I, it would I've be good seeing, to have that cleared up. Yeah, and like with the cases, I've been consistently seeing a theme of like women who get victimized by society. So maybe they're yeah. trying to sort of make a broader point with that. I I have two questions for you guys. The first is ab- about the court cases. How do you guys feel about how they handled the last one, like the most recent one? Well, not not the most recent one. The one where you know you had. Uh, uh, Edong work not just bringing in and proving that the prosecutor hadn't done their job, but to uh, show them who the real killer was, which is not something that would ever happen in a real court case. I mean, it was not even. I mean, it would have been enough for them to throw out the case I mean, on the basis of not enough. I'm not watching this for the legal stuff. <laughs> I know, but I just felt really bad because you had a disabled person in the courtroom, and there was like no support. Like he had just been brought in there by saying that, "Don't you want to help the Nuna that you like so much?" I mean, it just felt like he was brought yeah. in 
through false pretenses and then he was just smacked with you did the killing and it was just i mean i hated that entire it wasn't it wasn't great it was helen um our friend helen hellcat on drama beans um made a really interesting uh, note on this in um her recap um about how unlikely and how how very unlikely it is for um a person with that kind of uh, learning disability to actually commit those crimes and that how disproportionately that's represented in dramas um i thought that was a really that is valid and useful yeah. point to make is that it's they tend important. to be victims not yeah. you know perpetrators yeah that's really true. but the but i i thought that they had just left that uh thing hanging there and moved on but it seems to me that they are probably going to come back and i really hope they do because that that kid needs a good uh, a defense lawyer i mean at this point it just why I, i hate that they just did that horrible thing and then they moved on to a romantic moment and i just didn't feel it yeah and it was in service of that like mopey female prosecutors arc which i don't care about to be quite honest <laughs> which i don't even understand i don't actually understand the secondary couple at all i mean tk i mean i i i'm sort of like i sort of like the guy i suppose but even his purpose to me I is mean, pretty much a mystery yeah it's kim soyeon's husband so we have to love him but um, <laughs> we he's just, really. he's just he's very good in everything but like that yeah. haircut makes him look like a gopher chara <laughs> The haircuts have been bothering me this month. I'm sorry. Edo Mook's haircut is not the not the best. I know. I was talking about Kim Soyeon's husband's haircut. Thanks for letting me go for, which is unfortunate because he's a handsome man. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I feel like even with the hair, like the handsomeness is clear. But um, yeah, that that's burn, man. <laughs> I, I just I just want you guys to acknowledge that bold cuts do not suit Edongwook and he needs to stop with this now. What what this is the first time a haircut is actually bothering me to this extent. What is he doing with that haircut? Why why does he have those bangs? It just Nobody it's awful. Needs the tussled helmet hair. It doesn't look good on anyone. <laughs> <laughs> this trend needs to be over. Oh, uh, yeah. All It right. Is. Okay. Well, so Looking forward to next week. <laughs> Wait, what are what are we talking about next? The Crown Clown. Oh, okay. So, oh, we have to talk about Crown Clown. Hold on, I need to get to my laptop. I've been walking around. You <laughs> you got so um uh worked up about the haircut. You <laughs> needed to move. Stop pacing. Yeah. Okay. So, I'm um not actually um too deep into it. I'm not caught up with the Crown Clown, but um I'm at that point just a couple of episodes after the clown has been properly okay now I'm I'm really terrible at recapping episodes what I'm just going to start again sorry I think I'm, I'm on episode 7 or 8 right now oh, um I'm not that far but a lot happens in every episode like each episode is like and an hour and 15 minutes yeah yeah it's it's insane and it feels like every time I watch an episode I feel like I've watched a full movie It's mm. so much happens in these episodes and they're just gorgeous but that's another topic. Um so we are, we've already discussed the uh, premise here. You have the uh, the actual king who's kind of gone into hiding because there are assassins after his life and you have the clown who's the lookalike who's been brought in to replace the king and so to be the target 
like if if someone needs to die the clown can die and then the real king can come back like they are trying to unwrap I don't um, understand the logic of that because once your doppelganger dies you're kind of like you don't have any more spares but <laughs> i think they, what they're trying to do is what they're trying to do is keep the king safe while figure out exactly who's targeting the king that that was the initial idea in order to keep the king safe they need to keep his uh, body double safe too yeah i think they are trying to do that i don't think so they're like you your job is to die in place of the king It's there like- is a high risk i mean yeah they're not being they're being a bit blasé about his life <laughs> <laughs> oh that um, is true can i just talk a little bit about the early on part and then yeah, yeah sure 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 go for it, sure go for it. um so like you know how we were talking last time about how dark it got so quickly and then like yeah. in the next episode it got so dark that i was like dying inside with his sister um yeah. and oh my god that was awful ah uh, yeah i didn't think like, they would go there i honestly thought that there would be some last minute saving uh, done it was so horrible it was so horrible um yeah i could barely watch it i was like crying just watching that and yeah but i love the queen the queen is amazing yeah the queen is amazing she's Enough. so I, mean, <laughs> i knew her potential when she was a zombie but now <laughs> her potential has been proved she for, has you know, an amazing for saguk as well it's oh, like those she, eyes just her whole like everything her fa- her yeah. bone structure everything Like I can't actually Maybe. imagine her as a modern day woman. She's just that is a, the most perfect look for her. <laughs> But now that you want to talk about serious plot things, shall I take my headphones off cuz I don't want to be spoiled. It's not, I'm not going to I'm not going to be spoiling much okay. because even though a lot happens if I get into it then I'll be I'm um, sort of unraveling that plot so. Hour. Okay. <laughs> yeah, at that too. But I'm just going to say some basic stuff. You um the king who's in hiding he's not just it's not like he's just hiding to save his life his mind is unraveling after he right. did those horrible deeds in the first episode he's, he's also been drugged haunted. up he's also been drugged up over so the like years withdrawal as well exact or he's he's sort of trying but i think he's still getting access to drugs even though like oh. the the minister who's supporting just him trying is trying to, to turkey him. him yeah yeah he's trying it but anyway so that is happening whereas the evil minister i'm just going to call him good minister and evil minister even though the good minister <laughs> even though the good minister it has big super pro, shady pro king and anti king but the 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 bad minister is an anti king exactly he is kind of like he wants that king there but as his puppet oh true so okay good and bad that'll do <laughs> yeah so the so the good minister who's also super shady but in in that in that morally ambivalent way where he wants good of the nation and has had to dirty his hand and at this point can't really figure out what the right and wrong paths are anymore because he's he's been so mired in in really bad stuff for so long trying to protect the king on the other hand the evil minister has been as you said drugging the real king for so long that the king can't think straight he's super paranoid he can't even trust the person who wants to protect him the most or his wife who who loves him and it just it's it's it was a really bad space so now he he has gone off to this monk's place where he's just basically drugging himself and being haunted by his past deeds literally and metaphorically yeah. and um so that is happening with him and the good minister is trying real hard to get the king back on his feet while the clown is basically just doing whatever he wants to do 
Oh, he's, he's trying to he, get his revenge on his sister's rapist. He is, but it's not so much that his revenge isn't exactly taking off very well because he is actually kind of powerless in court. The real king has made sure that the that the king's throne has act, not uh, a lot of power. Well, so it doesn't help that he the, can't read. <laughs> oh, but here's here's where it gets interesting. As soon as you watch a little more, he learns Ooh. to read because he's actually pretty smart. <laughs> in, you know, in that. Uh, yeah but he might be smart but he's he doesn't have knowledge mm-hmm. you know what like the, you cannot replace poli- he's not a politician and he's not a politician a politician and and, and, and this drama keeps with. emphasizing how the real king had was a proper scholar for years and years he reread day and night it's he, he, if there was knowledge to be had he had it which is why so many people had so much expectation from him it makes you wonder how he ended up that way Exactly, really, right? And and they are getting into it. It's not like they are completely writing the king off. And I'm pretty sure the king is at some point or other going to come back. But uh, the point where it got, and I'm not going to go beyond that point, where it got really interesting, which is about an episode after what you've watched, is where the king kind of harms himself. And uh, his the good minister is like, we need a king at this point and I cannot bring the real king back. So the clown will have to be like actually do the king's work yeah so he there is this moment where he's like the the clown is dead and you're the king now and so he expects the clown to take or actually take on the responsibilities of the king the only thing is that the clown is not uh, sort of jaded and he doesn't understand court politics the way uh, uh, someone who's been brought up in court would so anytime the minister talks about the longer game and you know like you have to think of the good of the million even if you have to sacrifice a few the clown doesn't get it uh, he he wants to do good by the few people that he knows immediately because he sees that as justice. He doesn't understand that whole sacrifice and longer good thing. And look, as, as a hero, that's what you want, right? You don't want the hero to ignore the the sufferings of the few for the larger goal. That is not what we see as heroic. But um, so, but it's 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 a fine balance. He's learning politics too. Mm-hmm. And he's also trying to navigate the court so that he his secret is not revealed. And it's, Ah, uh, this this is a drama where there's so many spoilers, and I can't. Say. <laughs> if you want to say them, I'll take my headphones off. <laughs> no, 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 it's not. It'd be more interesting if you watched it. Yeah, you gave us a good, like, sort of broad understanding of what's going on inside. So that's cool. Yeah, I just I just hope that our listeners who like Sagyuk and who like um, interesting court politics uh, kind of give this a try, I, and also Yujin Go. Just, just you, Jingu. Oh, um, so this boy is just mad good. He's yeah. just worth for him. I kind of want him to go to the army, like now, after this, and <laughs> is do he it, too do young? Like he's like 20, 20 or something. No, 29. I mean you're like eighteen. This is old when he when he was eighteen, nineteen. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, like, most actors end up going when they're, like, almost 29, 30, right? So I'm saying because... in, in those terms, he's too young. No, no, yeah, but but he's been a child actor. Like, he's so well-known. He doesn't lose anything by going now. Whereas the actors, they tend to stay out that time because if they, you know, cut their ascent in the middle, they could lose their momentum. So yeah. they have to establish themselves as much as they possibly can. That's why they push their enlistment to the very end. But the standard age of enlistment is, you know, they finish school or some yeah. people finish college, uh, university, yeah. and then they'll go. But people well, A lot go of people go in between university too. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. And because there's a lot of different things, you, like, for example, if you study medicine, um, you you could do that first. And then when you enlist, you can actually enlist as an army doctor. So you don't have to do active duty in the same way. Right. Um, 
it's really you know there, there's a lot of ways of doing it but most people do go when they're young so next up is my strange hero which yeah completed have either of you guys um finished or caught up or i stopped halfway through and i'm doing that thing where i like something so i just stop halfway oh, through i don't want it to end yeah i don't know which episode it is but i i am um pretty much uh, like i've i'm about three-fourths in so i i i know where where most of the arcs are gonna end up so you go for it it's just it's so good i love this show so much i mean like all along it's been very um like heartwarming but the end is just like a a, a conference of marshmallows and <laughs> it's like it's uplifting and then like the whole um thrust of the show was like um it was uh, about the underdogs mm, um yeah. it's about the people that no one believes in and that no one would like stake anything on it's about them taking control of their own fates um and like what happens in sort of the last quarter is that this uh, the actual exist do, do you mind me saying this or should i not could you be kind of general Minus about it? it um well the the school is threatened the existence of the school itself is threatened um and they have to all work together to save it um and there's these like amazing, wonderful, iconic scenes that when you watch them, your heart will just burst. Um, I know that I'm going to want to just like binge the entire rest of the drama, which is why I'm waiting until I have like a week off. <laughs> yeah. Like, Anissa's going to be like sitting one evening and she's going to be like, I'm just going to want to watch one episode. <laughs> yeah. And the next morning she's going to be, be all like, it'll be midnight well, when no, with this one, I know that I can't do that. So I'm just waiting until my break because I will. And, yeah. yeah. And it's not when you want to speed watch or anything. No, either. I want to enjoy it so yeah just like every minute of this is just really just so wonderful and there's like the sort of the emotional realism of it is um it kind of catches you like by the throat almost um and like i think my most favorite that i i have so many favorite things but i love how kind of at the conclusion of it everyone gets this very appropriate send-off and everyone gets to complete their arc in a way that is most meaningful um seho he gets to be the hero of his own story which is like um you know he takes up his own space he's not sort of sidelined and like oh well there he goes he's actually a hero for all of the time that he's on the screen and he overcomes like so much like remember last time when we were talking about how he has like no self-awareness Mm. so there was this um he has like so many like fronts on which to fight and one of them is like his relationship with his mother um and of course one of the the biggest things is him uh, and his relationship with Boksu and like what really happened on the roof and why he did that like the why is so important um and oh I don't want to spoil all of the conversations yeah but the conversations I, I, should I take my headphones good. off like uh, I don't know if Barma wants to be spoiled because <laughs> it, it is. I like, don't. I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. Okay, so we'll talk about it when you guys watch it. But like, there are the the like dialogue in this show is so good, it really um, and is. the way that they understand like all of the sort of the different micro layers of feeling. Um, and oh, I just, I really want, I want you guys to finish watching this so I can talk about the last few scenes, which Okay, next so month. Good. Next month. We'll, we'll, I'll, I mean, I know I'll probably watch it during my March spring break. Uh, and, so. and one last thing uh, that I'll add before, before I wrap it up, um, 
waiting for you guys is I, the other thing that I really love about Boksu is um, how as a character he's somebody different to everyone he, he's something different to everyone like um, yeah. you know he um, what's his name uh, Oh Young Min who calls he calls him Hyung um, Sungu and um, his uh, gang they call him Orishin and how the way that <laughs> they call you know that Orishin which was like mocking in the beginning it actually becomes like a term of address uh, a term of um, respect endearment um yeah. it's like it's just you know the the origin he was to them at the beginning to the origin he was at the end it's just it's like yeah just a burst. it really does You're like, oh, i can I already tell that that dynamic is going somewhere that's gonna make me like cry oh, i love like, it i love so it happy. so much yeah. and just one last tiny scene which hopefully isn't a spoiler is um the very uh, it's not a spoiler to say he graduates right <laughs> no, of course not. Okay, so he graduates. <laughs> when would hope? <laughs> After his graduation, and he's like, "Amma!" And he screams, and he like he flies into his mom's arms, and you're like, "You Aww. are just." His relationship with his mom is just yes. uh, gets me in the heart. It really does. Yeah, it's really it's so good. Like it was all about her in that moment. It, he did all of this to make her happy. And he yeah. was just so cute. And Sujun oh. is the best also. I love Sujun and her like fighting spirit and how even when she tries to be demure, it just it never lasts. She's like, okay, that's <laughs> it. I'm I'm done with the whole nice playing. I'm going to tell you exactly what I think right now. And then she like rips into them. Did you end up being satisfied with the love story? Because I remember last time we were kind of like, ugh what's going on here kind of thing oh yeah completely I think they resolved everything okay, in a really nice. great way because in the beginning I wasn't that convinced about like you know I'm not uh, I know there's like one minute left but I'm going I'm gonna finish in a second I'm not big into and Borma is here I'm not big into crushes that last forever if you've been in <laughs> love with someone for nine years or like however long uh, Uno and Romance uh, in Romance is a bonus book has been in love with um uh, what's her name uh Dani Dani you need to move on from people. Stop. Just stop. If you, you know, either give it a shot and move on or just move on. So I wasn't convinced by this whole long, unresolved, romancy thing. But then, yeah, by the end, I was like, you know, what? I do get it. It was such an unfinished thing. And then, mm. and then it, they fixed it. And mm. it was better than sort of being unbroken. It was like, it was, it was the best nice thank you for that beautiful like wrap up i'm i'm so excited to finish it now you're gonna love every minute <laughs> yeah all right guys the last empress uh... <laughs> okay so firstly <laughs> firstly last empress got an extension like it's been it was like topping the ratings every week so it got a four episode i.e two hour extension um but, uh, and I found this out after I watched the whole show, uh, Chidin Yuk was not present for finale week. So he what? had, uh, yeah, it was very confusing. I was like watching the penultimate uh, pair of episodes being like, where's Chidin Yuk? Like, <laughs> what happened? And I kept expecting some twist to turn up. And I was like, where has he gone? So apparently um, he had a prior engagement, uh, uh, like a fan meet in Taiwan or something. Um, but it just it feels really weird the way he was written out it doesn't like the way the character was treated was he he like was a total non-character but why extend it if they already knew that he wasn't going to be available i don't know like i don't understand 
But even if you were going to do that, like give him a, a, a bit of a hero send off if he's a hero or the hero or like something. It was just such a nondescript and weird way. I agree. It, it was a completely absurd way to write him out, especially because it doesn't actually take too many shots to g- give him just a face in two scenes, maybe where he's dying. That's all you need. You need a glimpse they, of his face. They knew he was not going to be available and they knew they had that extension for like a couple of weeks. Yeah. So And yeah, I know they no, were deep no. in the live shoot. Surgery, no. But they had enough time if they were going to kill him to kill him properly. I not do the weird thing that they did. Look, we, we all know that while Chejun Hyuk is billed as the lead in this one, it's... Um, he's not he, at all. He's not at all. And I, I think by the time... it's a service to him as an actor as well. It's just, I, I feel kind of I, like... I understand it's that, a bad but... Taste in my mouth. I understand that, but think of so many other dramas. Cheese in the Trap, for instance. When you have the production team in conflict with an actor, they can often be very absurdly mean like how they write off the character to to the detriment of the drama. I think this, this... But we don't know what has, like, if or what has happened because the only official news is he had... We don't, we don't. But this, this is way the, too the suspicious, way character man. is treated, exactly. But, I mean, we are wholly speculating here and perhaps we shouldn't. But, like, that was a very bizarre writing out of his character. I mean, his whole character up to that point had not been very... Uh, sort of, um Yeah, exactly. Um, but just like the weirder, I don't know if it's weirder or equally weird, the, the weirder or equally weird thing is that, um, uh, uh, Ehyuk, the emperor character suddenly became the hero exactly. in the last, um, in the finale. And you're like, this is like, you d- no, no, <laughs> like, no was an undeserved redemption then. Okay, so uh, well, that, I, I have a point here. I, ha- I have a point yeah. here. I think up to episode 45 or so, um, they were doing a sort of a redemption arc for Ehuk, and but it wasn't a heroic redemption. It was a redemption where he just right. comes to realize... He was a villain who, who, who was slowly trying to come to realize his faults. Even if it was just in right. respect to what he had done wrong to Sunny, but he was coming to understand that and then they had that weird that they, then they had a standoff between Nawangshik and um uh Ehyuk, where Ehyuk says what you tried to kill me just because i killed your mother and that that completely stepped back from all all the yeah, exactly. of redemption they had done before that so basically you learn nothing how is this yeah although i felt like that worked with his character because Maybe part of his character which tragedy case, well that perhaps was part of his character's tragedy Okay, and in which case they should never have backtracked on it and then made him have another... And made him the hero, yeah. That was so ridiculous. <laughs> and what was this? I, I didn't even understand the purpose of, of his last heroic act. What what was he doing? He just went off to well, fight I, his mom's goon. To what purpose? <laughs> I, I feel like um, there's a, an interesting discussion to be had here about the difference between redemption and atonement because this show has been presented from the beginning as you know a crazy uh, show of villains against villains with very few like non-villains you basically only had like Chang Nara who was the only non-villainous character without sin (laughs) yeah and Ari but then Ari is a bit of a politician as well so she kind of she plays uh, a part in in the whole thing she of course um, she's not a villain but um, she's part of the uh, political machinery and she's a, a member of the royal family. But um, where was I going with that? Oh, yeah. So you have 
like the Dowager Empress, who is um, this completely sociopathic, well, I don't know if it's uh, quite accurate to say she's a sociopath, because she's probably not. She's just very um, like ruthless and self-centered, and she wants what she wants, and she will use anyone and anything to get it. Um, and she just doesn't care about the cost. Um, even if that cost is literally everything. And, you know, if, when we talk about sort of how her character ended later. Um, but, like, with what all of the characters got offered, what all of the villains got offered, um, rather than redemption, I think, was a chance to atone. Um, and, like, the Dowager Emperor, she gets offered that over and over, and she never takes it. Whereas uh, Ikyo, he actually you know, there was that point where when he begins to have feelings for Sunny, that he begins to um, try to change. Mm. Um, so his final act, I feel, is successful as an act of atonement. Like, this is him saying, I have, like, you know, I can't come back from what I've done. So I see it would I be have, a lot more believable if, if if he hadn't done that whole you tried to kill me just because I killed your mum moment. If he yeah, that, I thought that was weird, but also I felt like that demonstrated the fragility of his mind as well. Is that don't forget this is a kid who's been abused from the uh, emotionally abused from the moment he uh, sort of was born I, into I the royal I completely agree, and that moment if it had if ha- if it had been placed a little um, you know earlier, I would have been to- I would have bought it. But he was changing, and if you're suddenly going to move out of step with that change and give us a moment like that, then you can't immediately come back to his oh he's changing arc again maybe maybe it was showing us that the change was uh, like he had tried to change but it hadn't fundamentally changed the way that he thought at the core he didn't even because seem he to understand he didn't even seem to comprehend right because why. he couldn't even yeah he exactly so it's hard for me to believe that it was atonement like just five minutes after or, or rather five episodes later it's, it's too <laughs> well, it, I feel like thing yeah i i feel like it worked um because like all of his changes i feel were as a result of his feelings for sunny so the ways he tried to change were to be good to her everyone else is still irrelevant he's still the same person he fundamentally hasn't changed he's just found someone that he wants to stake everything on so so his yeah i i that, do that's think how that I his his feelings for sunny were was the linchpin pretty much i agree and you know what i also liked how his suspicion of sunny and nawangshi's uh, relationship mirrors what happened with his previous relationship and how when sunny yeah, denies and exactly. says pretty much exactly the same words that his wife does he has that that smacked moment where she's like i can i can try to defend myself but you're going to believe what you believe anyway and it's just yeah. and that's like a crossroads for him where he has to make that choice whether to to be the old him or to be a new him and he chooses to be and the old him i, I at first i thought <laughs> that he he was doing he was pretending to be the old him while trying to protect sunny because he keeps like he has this mental monologue where he's like sunny please stop don't do this you know but it it, it he was just buckling down on trying to protect his royal heritage and not what he cared about what he mm-hmm. cared about and was clearly not the just the thing don't forget that his his real turning point um like after all of that was his grandmother's letter and i have to say like um the two things that the show started out with two deaths yeah that 
um, you know, that were mysterious uh, in mysterious circumstances, the way that they were revealed and like the culprits were revealed genuinely surprised me and shocked me. Like I found the, uh, the first, the Empress, the first Empress's death, that reveal was like dark. Yeah. But then like the second one, that was also like, whoa. And then at the very end, you know, in uh, uh, the Empress final scene, that was like beyond dark. That was just, sh- uh, Anissa, do you want us to tell you what happens? Um, I mean, I'm not going to watch it. Okay, <laughs> so basically, the Dowager Empress, who is, you know, the the single most irredeemable person um, in the entire show, she goes after uh, Nawang Shik, who was Trojan Yok's character, except uh, at this point, he's already disappeared. And it's Yi Hyuk, the Emperor, who is... Um, Masquerade, uh, masquerading as him as uh, and like Shik. doing the I- Ihyuk is masquerading yeah, like as, as Nawang Shik, even though Ihyuk right. knows that Nawang Shik is Nawang Shik is dead. Like he's by, by yeah, he's the only Shik, one who knows. and he he's floated he's floated this rumor that Nawang Shik is, is is out to get like out to get the right. royal family. So he wraps himself in bandages and and goes and like does uh, something that uh, the uh, Dowager Empress just really doesn't want it's like it ruins everything that she has um and she shoots him she's like yeah exactly like i'm gonna do this one myself she doesn't let her minions do it and she she, like shoots him straight in the chest like three or four times and he in all this time he hasn't revealed his identity and then finally um does she go and uh she goes uh, and and demasks him right Unmasked. Uh, and then she's like, she's at that moment, you expect her to like break like any normal person would break um, that on discovering that they had just murdered their own son in cold blood. She flat out denies it. Like, she just doesn't acknowledge it at all. This is not long. She yeah, exactly. Long yeah. And, and like you did this to yourself wow. and all of that. And it, it was so dark. It was so, so dark. Um, and then also like in her words there, like you can hear the echo of the words that Ihyuk himself has said in the past. I didn't do it. It wasn't me. And you're like, she, he was a product of, of this. Mm. Like he was created and shaped by this woman. And also the, like the late emperor, his father, um, who was as abusive uh, as, um maybe he was abusive first and he um if i remember the flashbacks rightly he was worse uh towards his young son than the mother was at that time um so on the whole like would you say it was a satisfying watch like are you glad you watched it or was the ending oh no it was it actually was still it was very addictive it was a really an interesting treatment of villains and I felt like if you wanted to write an essay about Mak Jung and why it works and why people watch it there's like a lot of material here because there was very little to root for. like there were no heroes really to root for except like Jung Nara mm. and like for example um the crown prince Lee Hyuk's younger brother he's presented um as a kind of a good figure but he's also like he's not that great like he's constantly holding up their father as um you know someone who should be like admired and respected but that's like an accident of birth for him is that he happened to be lucky enough to not uh, to to have the qualities 
that his dad was looking for so he never had to suffer the abuse that his mm. brother did but he holds that above him so i found that a really uncomfortable you know so um, he, he knew character. how the how the first empress died and he didn't actually speak up he just ran yeah, away and exactly. then wrote a book about it so. yeah and you, you like you could have done this in any other way uh, also like yunsei's character which we haven't talked about kung uh, uh kung sohi um who is uh well should we just she's say mother it? of Ari and she it turns out that she's she was the best friend of the empress and it turned out that she was the one who actually killed her best friend and like that reveal was like whoa that was that was something <laughs> it was yeah and the way because they show you how she did it and it was horrible um but like I feel like there's a really close mirroring of the character of the dowager empress and uh, the character of uh, kang sohi who is like she slept with the emperor mm -hmm. and she was pregnant at the same time as um the first empress who was her best friend and it was because of that that she like just went ahead and, and and killed her because that's how power hungry she was and she's constantly been using her daughter um to get leverage and to gain herself the power that the uh, dowager empress has and so she, she's very similar and in fact her outcome is really is the same as well i was actually disappointed in in the end that the dowager empress was not dead because they'd been sentenced to death yeah but i think it's more realistic that they because death sentences are never really immediately carried that's out a long, so long death row. yeah but it felt like um like sogangi had been like she'd like been removed from the mortal plane whereas um the dowager empress got a bit more of a comical end than she deserved but yeah but then again she was like so like her physical co comedy from the dowager empress was just oh she was brilliant oh my god and in the in <laughs> and the room and when she was being dragged away the kicks she delivered to yeah. the cops man just, that was amazing i think some of my most favorite moments of towards the like second half of the drama had to revolve around ari and her realizing like that she was being manipulated by her mother i and mm. it just like giving into the manipulation because she is after all her, her mother and and because um, um kang sohi also knew how to appeal to the child's vanity and her needs so it's mm. it's ari being manipulated was a very interesting thing to watch and how despite um sort of like believing lies about sanhi she also like with a child's instinct she also realized that sanhi just wanted good for her whereas her real mother wanted things from her so and she can instinctively recognize the truth of each woman's feelings exactly and i and i found that i i found that really i think of, of all the arcs in this drama it's ari's arc that i i, I love the most Yeah. So that there is that but I have to And say a fantastic actress as oh, well. That child. She had really hard like her lines were so difficult and like multiple languages and is she like what nine? That's like insane I that's know. That's amazing. I know. Yeah. Um but I have something against the um well she's not the dowager the grandmother uh, queen I guess the grandmother who, oh, yeah. who was so her death was I think at that point they had made it so mysterious they laid mystery upon mystery I think the the final conclusion they gave us I I honestly think it was shortly written and it was written at the last moment though um for one thing it made absolutely no sense if you think of the logic of the the initial night the like how did you thing. expect that to work out for you <laughs> yeah. well yeah wait for me or for the grandmother uh, yeah no as in for uh, grandma 
Ah, okay, yeah. But the thing is that she wasn't actually the whole. Yeah. So technically, so what, what her letter revealed was that she killed herself by the hmm. means that her daughter-in-law and her grandson had tried to use to kill her. Like, I mean, so that you know, like, so that they, they, that it furthers the mystery of her death, and then I don't know that they are brought to justice for killing her. But the thing is, she didn't actually need to do that. She had proof that that could dethrone both of them. <laughs> that was the entire point of why she was being attacked that night. So she wasn't yeah. killed, and by killing herself, she took that moment away. She, she uh, 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 got. I mean, she made a mess of the entire thing. And also, she wrote the letter and immediately killed herself. So who was it who nicely packed up the letters? Totally was like, where did that letter, how did that letter get there? And, and also, <laughs> how, how did she know that it would be found by Osani? It was far exactly. more likely to be found by her, her evil b- 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 family. It's just, that <laughs> okay, was so this is turning into like a, a deep dive now. So, <laughs> okay. So anyway, yeah. that was... I have, I just have one last thing to say. I mean, even though Nawang mm-hmm. character didn't actually have the heroic elements that I'm sure uh, Choi jin wanted uh, from his character, he was important. We realized that he was important in, uh, in his absence. The final length of the drama, I think the final leg kind of fell apart because he was absent. He was a really good foil to um, Ehyuk. So Ehyuk's character development worked well when Nawang was there as a sort of a sort of a balancing arc, like b- besides Sunny, like Nawangshik is the one who's who's selflessly who's who's going to die anyway, and he's selflessly trying to get justice for his mother. Even though I honestly don't like Nawangshik's character, but he's supposed yeah. to be the good guy. And uh, against Ehyuk, who's selfish, even his love for Sunny is selfish. So you mm-hmm. have that. Oh, I keep calling her Sunny, like in the in the Goblin thing. <laughs> Where is she? Actually, Sunny. <laughs> Sorry. Sunny. Anyway, so the, you uh, that that balance actually kept the two male characters nicely just jostling for the not the hero position, but the, for the for the position of of the man in her life and also the good man in the in the drama. But as soon as Nawangshik was gone and killed off in that ignominious way, um, Ehyuk had to fill both positions, and I don't think that worked out very well for the drama. So. Anyway, I did like how Sunny was. Sunny just was going around b- b- revealing everything and and getting back at everyone. In the end, I I kind of really liked how badass she was, though. So that is true. Mm, she was great. Okay. I mean, it was always her show. It was and, always her and, show. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, just one more thing. I know. I'm sorry, Slug, <laughs> but I I love that despite all of the terrible things that were happening, Ehok was always living his best rom com life. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I mean, the comedy from, like, the Dowager Empress was one type, but the uh, Iha comedy was, like, that was just hilarious. So I was really disturbed when they tried to give that a romantic turn afterwards. I know so, I know that he plays a villain so well, but I kind of want to see him do something light, like a romantic comedy. I yeah, I think that's what he needs to do next. Yeah. Just so we can see more of this. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Next okay. we have... Orange Marmalade? Yeah. Yeah. I just have like two lines to say about it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, go ahead, go ahead. I started Orange Marmalade. Um, it's a 2015 uh, drama uh, that uh, has Eugene Gu in it. And I started it for him. And because a friend of ours, I think Odessa Jones, she was like, go watch it. It's got vampires in it. <laughs> and I was like, okay, Korean dramas and vampires. <laughs> okay, let's watch that. It's not actually worked out very well for me before, but this drama is, is actually sweet. It, it, you, it, it has the, the vampires in this world 
um, appeared in some sometime around 17th century. They just appeared. Nobody knows their origin, and um, they have become a sort of like second-class citizen. They've had to tamp down their instincts and survive on animal blood, but everybody sort of is very racist. So whenever anyone finds out that there's a vampire in your neighborhood, they, it it kind of they spread the news so everybody treats them as an outcast. They don't get any work. They don't, you know, they won't get it's any place like to rent. X-Men. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like that. And so they have to, so there is a lot of oh, nice. resentment in part of the population. And when part of the population, there is this, this whole, you know, this so defeated acceptance. This is the only way we can live. So they have it's like been, a version of racism. It is a version of racism. And there is this very strict code that they have to follow. And anyone who breaks it is kind of put under placement, which is basically they're locked up by a sort of a vampire council. They're locked up for like some 15 years in a, in a coffin type situation. And they live longer lives than humans. So it's horrid. Anyway, so that that's the society you have. And the story starts in high school where this young uh, vampire girl she joins a new school where she's determined not to be outed as a vampire. And uh, on the very first day, she's noticed by the most popular uh, boy in the school, which is uh, Eugene Gu. And uh, it's, they, they end up forming a band together and all of that stuff. It's, it's, it starts as a cutesy, romantic um, school, high school drama type situation. But he has a prejudice against vampires. So their whole relationship is basically that, like her knowing that the moment he finds out that she's a vampire, he won't, he will no longer love her. And it's just, that's how it's going. And I think it's, it's sweet. It's not amazing, but the acting, especially from Eugene Go, is good. And I like how the rules of the society have been set up. So I'll finish this and report back on it next month. Sounds good. Okay. Okay. So what's next? That's all for the dramas. I have been binge watching one night in two days, okay. even though I claim that I have no time. But, um, <laughs> I I have this thing where, like, when I'm really sick and like really stressed out, yeah. Even watching dramas stresses me out because I feel like I can't give my full attention and like fully enjoy it. And then on the other hand, like the the plot, like the drama of the drama itself, is like too much to handle. <laughs> so then I just watch variety shows. So I've been catching up on season three of One Night in Two Days, which like. I stopped watching after Kim Ji Hyuk passed away because I had this like really heart wrenching memor like in memoriam episode to him and like I cried my eyes out and then I was just like I need a break but I went back to it and I've been watching like all the episodes since then um, and it's like really good in my opinion it's like the superior season of One Night in Two Days fight me um, <laughs> the best cast <laughs> and they replaced. Kim Ji Hyuk, when he when he left to focus on his acting um, before he passed away, they they were like with five members and they added Yoon Shi Yoon, um, but they call him Yoon Dong in that because like Dong was his name, right? name, yeah. But they were like Yoon Shi Yoon is too cool, so we're gonna call <laughs> you Dong on this show. <laughs> but he's like he's like the member that's like not funny and um, he's like. He looks really fit. Like, he looks like he would be the fittest out of all of them. But, like, any game that he plays that relates to a ball, he, like, always messes up. He's terrible. It's <laughs> like this running joke. Um, but he's really... It, it's a nice it's a nice dynamic between the cast. Um, but I wanted to talk specifically about two... Like, it, each trip is usually divided up in two or, like, two and a half episodes. But um, they they did a trip last year in I think June to Panmunjom, which is Panmunjom is like 
<clears throat> you know that line in the DMZ um, on the border where like Kim Jong Un and yeah uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. They met last April yeah yeah so then I think in June um, one night and two days actually got permission to film their episode there so they went and and I think it had been opened to it it was the first time a TV show had gone there and they've also opened it to the Korean public. Like there are certain areas that they were never able to go to before, which they're now able to go and and see. Um, so that was really, it was really something else. Like they, there's this one house <clears> that's like a UN sort of neutral zone where like, we, I think we've probably seen it in dramas, but it's like where the both officials from both countries go in and the border doesn't, it's, it's like sits on the border but you can actually cross the border as long as you're inside that house. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've so they let them go in there, but they were like, yeah, I think it was in like two hearts or something. But so they, the soldiers let them go in there, but they were like, you can't communicate. Like, we're not allowed to communicate with the North Korean soldiers. So like, don't talk to them, don't look at them. And so like, they actually came and they were like looking through the window at the cast. And the cast was like, oh my God, they're here. They're looking at us. But they were like, we can't even smile at them. They're like, no. You can take pictures, but like you can't. So this is this really weird thing. And I think everyone was feeling really strange about it and like kind of sad. And it was very emotional and very powerful. Like just for them to like go to that border and to see this like artificial line that has been set up that has such real consequences for people who can like, they can't even talk to each other anymore. Um, and it really struck me a lot because I think it reminds me a lot of partition in, in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's not a unique thought because when I was looking at all the comments, um, there were a lot of people who were like, I'm from India, this really reminds me of my country, or like, I'm from Pakistan, this really reminds me of what happened to us. So that was pretty powerful. Um, can, and can then there was an episode number that is? I don't remember the episode number, but Panmunjom is actually in the title. Okay. So if you go to KBS World, they have a they have a playlist of like every single episode, like full length episode from season three in order. Um, and this one is from like June twenty eighteen or something. They're all up with English subtitles. And another thing that I just thought was really fun is that they had um, in like a couple maybe like a few episodes after that, they had like a global viewer special. So they had like all these people from all over the world who could just apply to be on the show. And they, I think they got like 2000 applications. And then they had, I think each member got three people who picked them as their favorite member. And then they just like played game. They like brought them to Korea and then they like got to meet the person that they liked most on the show. And they just like played game. And then they all like, most of them had learned Korean there was a hijabi. There was a girl from Nepal who had like never left her country and she'd like wow. never seen the ocean and wow. it was really cute. Sweet yeah. man. Did you apply? Oh, did you not see this? No, I didn't I didn't see. No. Um, it was last. I think the application started in the spring and then they did the show in the summer. And I'm just watching the shows now. But it was just like it was such a weird, like, because you know, we always talk about how Korea is like its own little ecosystem and we watch the entertainment, but we can't ever like interact with it and they don't care if we're watching or not. And like, they're very focused on like the domestic audience is like the main audience. Yeah. But I think that's shifting a little bit. And it was really interesting to see how they're like very conscious of their global audience and that they care and that. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, that was interesting. 
it was it was very interesting no, that's true in recent years i've had i've seen allusions to the global audience in dramas and that only happens when they like they, something is really starting to become important otherwise they you yeah. really see something included in dramas if it's like a fringe ideal you know right yeah exactly so it's becoming more of a thing um and it was really interesting how they directly you know um through youtube they like directly communicated with their audience and were like come you know so that was i also love that the pd is like a, a seventh member and he's like such a big part of the the story and the just like it's just so funny it's so brutal i love it <laughs> And then I have just one last thing. I watched a movie with my mom and sister yesterday um, in the theater. And it's an American movie, but I feel like it's very on brand for us. Um, it's called Isn't It Romantic? And it's basically a parody of romantic comedy. So, like, Rebel Wilson stars as this, like, regular, like, woman who looks like a real person. Um, and she, like, doesn't... And she's just, like rags like there's this one sequence where she's just like ragging on romantic comedies to her friend who like loves them for three hours yeah she just talks about the she's listing like, out all the tropes right yeah everything like the way that the apartment is amazing even though she has like a really low-paying job and she lives in new york or like how everything is beautiful all the time and like she has this like there's like a perfect um man that just shows up and just like all the tropes you know um and i was like we literally talked to each other for three hours about these tropes. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we do. This is our podcast. So, I mean, I feel like we would enjoy it. Like, I enjoyed it. It wasn't, like, a genius movie, but it was really funny, and it there were a lot of jokes that were, like, meta for people who love rom-coms, and um, the cast was really charming. Rebel Wilson is amazing. She is so, so good. Yeah. Um, and it was just really, it was just like really fun and funny. And it had a, it had a heartwarming message at the end that was actually like more touching than I was expecting and a little bit of a twist. So yeah, basically like she hits her head and she wakes up inside a romantic comedy. And <laughs> she's like, oh my God, this is hell. I have to escape. And then she has to figure out how to escape. It's, it's great. Yeah, the way to escape is to fall in love with the handsome Lee today. <laughs> well, that's. Well, you'll have to watch to find out. Okay, so here's the thing. I have watched, like, most of it. There's just a final run that I haven't watched. I And I watched it yesterday on Netflix, which it, it's in my country already because, obviously, we're not going to get this um, in the theaters. Oh, okay. So, yeah. And, um Yeah, I, I, I when I watched the trailer for this one, I, I knew I had to watch it. So as soon as I saw it on Netflix, I started. But here's the thing. Um, do, have you guys watched um, I'm So Pretty? I think it had Amy Schumer in it. I feel I pretty. I'm sorry. It's got I, I feel pretty. The, I remember watching the, the the trailer. The concept is somewhat similar in that uh, she has really so um, sort of low self esteem. Amy Schumer's character, and she wears dowdy clothes, and she has like just low self esteem. I guess that's the main point. And then she hits her head, and uh, then she wakes up believing that she's gorgeous, and that changes her character in not a very pleasant way, actually. I'm I mean, it, part of it is that she has so much confidence that she just plows ahead and people are so wowed by her confidence that they just treat her differently. And then later on, she realizes that she was never different. She was the same and she achieved so much. All of that stuff is fine. But there was also several very problematic things about how the uh, character was portrayed. In that, you know, as soon as she thought she was gorgeous, she started treating her friends like shit. So it wasn't, mm. it wasn't pleasant. No, 
the nice thing about this one is that she remains extremely likable throughout the whole thing and she points out some like great stuff about rom-coms that was very refreshing like how everybody's <laughs> white in them and things like that which i was just like yes thank you hi priyanka chopra thank you for being the second lead you know stuff like that is she a second so, lead though like as, as far enough. as i have watched it she's just had like one scene in it and i wasn't sure why she was in the trailer when she had like so little to do in the uh, um she has more screen time in the second half. Okay, yeah. but yoga ambassador Jeevi. Really? Uh in her character she's hilarious honestly. Her character's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to finish watching it tonight probably. After yeah, I watch it once is a bonus book. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this is a very on-brand recommendation for our listeners, which is why I'm like I'm telling you all to watch it cuz I feel like you will enjoy it. So, yeah. But I do like that we've had two uh, movies uh, from Hollywood with overweight um, and normal-looking female leads in romantic comedies. Both are romantic comedies. So I'm sorry, Rebel Wilson is too beautiful to be normal. She's okay, yeah, she's she's gorgeous. I mean, which I'm sorry, which Hollywood heroine is not gorgeous? And you've had a romantic comedy around her, but that is yeah. But still, you know, I mean, when have you ever had a plus-sized heroine? just leading a romantic no, comedy it's, like it's this really one. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And the nice thing is that even in the beginning before when she's still in the real world like the people in her life treat her with respect. They do. They she just doesn't see it. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's her issue is that like and I mean they're jerks obviously. There's yeah. always going to be jerks, but like the people that are close to her and love her like they appreciate her for who she is already. Yeah. While we while while we're talking about random uh, non-Korean things that we're watching, can I quickly say what I've been watching? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Seconds. Yeah. I've go been for it. I've been deep in Twelve Monkeys, which is like a time travel thriller thing. Um, which I ca- so I have this like journey of uh, that starts at Signal. It always starts at Signal. So from Signal, people were like watch Steins Gate. So I watched Steins Gate, and then after I watched Steins Gate, there was a sequel that just came out, like a whole season sequel, which is called Steins Gate Zero, which uh, came out just last summer. Um, and I watched that, and I was like, rah. I wasn't that into the uh, first one, but like the first one really sets up the second one, and it was very wrenching and painful, and oh my god. So then, like, at this point, I'm deep in the Reddit threads as well. So I'm just, like, reading and reading endlessly. And people recommended um, as a really good uh, sci-fi with uh, strong time travel rules and just an amazing world. Um, people were recommending 12 Monkeys. So I was like, okay, now I'm at 12 Monkeys. It's what country is this from? It's American. Oh, oh no. Canadian? American? Men- American. Right. Um I- and it's like I'm I'm I just finished season two and I'm constantly like getting my mind blown and like my heart ripped out and it's very K drama like it's like it's got this um you know a, a, a set story that it's um out to tell there's a mystery um and Barma I think this is very much your show you need to watch this if you haven't <laughs> and also because I just come off Timeless which I loved yeah but it got cancelled. Um, but this one gets its full story. Like everything is going down. There, there are thirteen episodes per season, four seasons. So you know that's like a an average long K drama. It's nice. good. Okay, you guys have been watching um, all of this stuff, and I have also been watching a non K drama stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, rewatching uh, this drama, this Pakistani drama called Zindagi Gulzar. Hai. I watched oh, it. Oh, you know, I started watching that it. last year when you mentioned it. 
and then you didn't finish it what the hell um, so, I just didn't have time but I meant to I always meant to do you know what it was because you guys also talked about onion at that time and I was watching that episode um on YouTube except didn't have subs and I was like I so want to know what's going on in this because I knew and I understood enough mm-hmm. um, okay and it just yeah so do you guys remember how we spoke about um, the whole Jane Austen feeling that a lot of people in Pakistan have, like their current culture where, you know, there's so, there's yeah. so much um, tradition, but uh, like steeped in tradition, but also like this, this, um, this value placed on being married above everything else and the whole yeah. season that happens when they're like NRI cousins and all of that come here and they have the Shadi season. Yeah. So that whole, you know, like... Uh, London's um, marriage mart type situation that happens. So um, this is not exactly like that, but this this has some Jane Austen-ish elements in that it focuses primarily on the girl's family and her uh, financial situation. She comes from this middle class uh, family where her mother has had to um, support her three daughters. And uh, the three daughters have three different types of characters, but all of them are like, uh, you know, like hardworking girls. But it's, it's the eldest daughter who carries the story forward, Kashyaf. And it's her meeting, like going to college, meeting this boy who's a spoiled rich guy who is, yeah, but he's, he's good at studies, but he's also very self-important. Like he thinks that his way of seeing the world is the only way to see the world. And they clash and hate each other. And then years later, they meet again. And by this time, the boy has grown and he... He likes her and so she can't get skip. over. There is not a time skip. You actually yeah. see the, the periods following each other. So it's not like a massive time jump. Oh, okay. You see the boy's change of character, change of heart. And at one point, he, unbeknownst to him, he starts idealizing Kashyaf in that even though he thought he hated her, her characters were, her characteristics stuck out to him. And then later on, he decides that that's the woman that if I have to marry, I'll marry her. So he starts wooing her, but she can't get over her prejudice when it comes to him. And part of it is their class difference in that she cannot believe that someone of his class, of his mentality can ever understand her struggles, what she and her family went through or give her family the respect that they deserve, that he will, he and his family will always look down at them. And it's just, it's a really complex and lovely story. So even when he wins... My whole family has watched this and they've been telling me to watch it for like two oh, or three years. That's yeah, what it was. I, I thought you'd both watched it. So. And I was like, yeah, oh, I'm very but ready for this. Just finally, I mean, it, if, if you have to start with the Pakistani drama, I mean, I, I would highly recommend watching this one. Um, but it's also just that being Indian and being like um, Indian from a... Like, my family is Hindu, okay? Um... I might be agnostic, but that's like a totally different, it doesn't uh, b- b- pull me out of the community that I am I am in, or that the area that I live in, where we have, we have a, a cosmopolitan area, you have Muslims living in the same area, but it's not steeped in Islamic culture, if, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So you don't, you don't see hijabis in my area a lot, for instance. And then you see... Um, the reason I love this drama so much is because you have some stereotypes in your own head. Um, when you think about um, South Asian Muslim women, so to watch this drama where it's all about Kashyaf gaining her own independence through education, getting a good job, and um, and and thereby making her family more independent and and sort of like gaining dignity, and and a lot of it is about Kashyaf's dignity and how she fears being humiliated by others, like um, 
and she has faced a lot of humiliation because of her socio-economic condition. So above all is Kashyap's pride, and to to have a drama center so much on a woman's pride, you can't you can't have stereotypes in in that kind of a plot. So it just it was just wonderful. Like this was my first introduction to Pakistani dramas, and I and I was so grateful to to have this in my head first. Because there are other dramas where you have stereotypes, mm. but this one, one kind of set one, right? the foundation. Yeah. Okay. So this was this was a really good drama to start off on, oh, and also it has really, Fawad Khan. Really nice <laughs> I just that's I just have to put this in. It has Fawad Khan in it, and he's just he's just you gotta watch it. It has Fawad Khan in it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. Okay. Oh, we can't move on. We are ending it here. Right. Okay. <laughs> that was really well said. I liked that. Mm, oh, I'm like totally. I, I want to go and watch it right now. <laughs> my heart felt warm. <laughs>